Hello there and welcome to another episode of Ruben's podcast. A show where I speak to people about their lives over the last decade and the lessons they've learned along the way. On today's show, I'm speaking with David. David and I were classmates in university, which is where we met back in 2010. After graduating, he went to work at an alcoholic beverages company where he became the youngest manager the company's ever seen. But after grinding it for 6 long years, he realized he needed a break and spent a year traveling, meditating, and spending more time with his family. He's currently in the middle of his MBA, and through this conversation, we speak about his journey over the last decade. But before we start, some quick housekeeping. We're on Instagram at Ruben's Podcast. Follow us there to stay up to date with what's happening on the show and tell us how we can do better. My goal is to hear more from you the listeners and incorporate your feedback and suggestions to make this the one podcast that you don't want to miss. We are at Ruben's Podcast on Instagram. Okay, with that, let's get into the conversation. David, thanks a ton for taking time to do this man. How are you? Super happy to be here man. I'm doing well. Where, where where in the world are you right now? I am in London. Uh, enjoying the amazing weather here. Um, which changes as uh, as my mood uh, so yeah i feel like i'm in control of it sometimes or not depends yeah. on uh, the yeah but yeah i'm in london i'm currently completing my mba from here and um, i should most likely be going back to hong kong after this um, i currently live in hong kong but we can talk Got about it. that other than hong kong and now you're essentially doing a semester in london yeah so my program so i'm completing my mba from hku which is a uh, hong kong university and uh, they have this program where you can either go to london business school and complete a semester there or you can go to columbia and complete a semester there and it sort of like gives you an asian perspective and a sort of european or global perspective depending on what you want yeah. uh, i'm not really a big fan of america per se so i had no inclination towards going to columbia um and lbs was a great opportunity to sort of connect with people i know here as well so i yeah. chose the lbs track um, so oh, i've done my hong kong bit and i'm sort of here for another couple of months to complete this part got it well, why do you say you don't like the america thing dude it's it's like they don't want you there man like they they make you fight for a visa like come on dude i don't want to go to some place where they don't want me there i mean <laughs> all, among all the other things yeah, yeah. i'm more than I've, i've visited america it's it's nice and all but yeah, yeah. i'd rather not work there Yeah. And 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 given that you've seen Hong Kong and now a bit of London between the two which one do you, which one do you like? I still like Hong Kong a lot dude. Like yeah. Hong Kong's got a little bit of everything. Like it's even after what's been happening with the whole China and protest stuff. Honestly, I never got to sort of see the impact of that because when I got there there was no protest. So by that time they had this uh, this new rule which uh, basically if you protested against China you're in jail. It's mm. similar to the sedition law in India. Correct. Um So I didn't really see any protests I didn't really see anything so it didn't really affect business life per se of course like my friends in Hong Kong are very frustrated and angry and can't really do too much about it but uh but as a as 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 sort of like an expat there I don't think it really impacts your life too much mm. so I I still prefer Hong Kong nice yeah I think I think I I've been in Singapore and I, I've heard Hong Kong is like the crazier version of Singapore so <laughs> um the nightlife is I I've heard crazier the weather is slightly better Okay. Cuz you have four seasons. Singapore you don't have four seasons for whatever. Yeah, we, <laughs> we have yeah. we have we have four parts of the day. In the morning it's sunny, in the afternoon it rains, in the evening it's humid and then at night it's okay. Um Yeah. Awesome. But uh, thanks a lot for taking time to do this man. So a quick summary to to uh, and a quick introduction to to David. So right after university, so David and I were in the same class. Uh, we started economics together. Um and right out of university you went to join Panorica for people who don't know it's the company who makes Absolute <laughs> they make a bunch of different uh, alcohol alcohol brands um and he worked there for about 6 uh, 7 years yeah 6 years and, yeah 6 years and you did a bunch of things from like brand to marketing to sales um and you ended up becoming the youngest manager the company ever had which is like crazy um and Like what you you became that before you were twenty five or when you were twenty five, yeah. Which in India is not even legal drinking age yet. <laughs> But <laughs> okay. Um, and then sort of as all of this was happening, um, you sort of decided that you would take a break, which is very interesting. You took a break for about uh, a year, a year to four, like twelve to fourteen months. Um, and we can touch upon a little bit about what you did during that time. But you spent time traveling. You did Vipassana, which is I, I'm very curious to know what, what that experience was like. um and then you decided you would go to business school and that's where you are uh, right now so 
over these years, you, you've had a ton of realizations and you sort of mentioned some of them uh, in the voice note you sent me around health, around family, around just having a growth mindset. And we'll sort of double click on those as we speak. But uh, let's begin back in 2013. Um, you decided you would join an alcohol company. I'm very curious to know what one does at an alcohol company. And more importantly, did you even know what you were going to do when you were going to join this alcohol company? Dude, let's, let's take a step back. Honestly, I had just started drinking like, I don't know, in the end of second year. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I had just started drinking, I don't know, towards the end of second year. And uh, Bruno had come to campus, I think, in October. So it had barely been like four months since I actually yeah. knew the existence of alcohol and everything. So it was interesting because, um, dude, I almost did not actually join the company because um, of a first year student mm. who I will not name. What happened was um, I was late. So, there, so I remember that these guys came to the SCR and they were giving the presentation and I was late. So, you know, I got there and there was this like, there was this, there was this person standing outside saying, you can't enter anymore because it started. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, are you serious? Like, you know, like, dude, like, come on, like, let me enter. And she was very adamant. She was like, no, you can't enter. I've been given orders from above. You can't oh, enter. <laughs> okay. Then I don't know, like, I think Chuck came in, uh, he came, he was like, dude, what's going on here? So he, I was like, dude, he's actually not like me to enter. He's like, dude, just let him enter. And honestly, Arjun, like, shout out to you. Without you, I wouldn't have been in Inferno Record, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was a crazy experience. Um, I think the reason why I also chose Perno among all the other um, companies, I mean, honestly, I applied for many companies beforehand, but in campus, I didn't get through any. And Perno was like the first one that actually gave me a shot. But dude, they flew me to Hong Kong in the middle of their interview process, you know? And that blew my mind. I was like, what kind of a company flies you from one country to another for an interview, you know? Yeah. Um, and they flew me to Hong Kong. It was an assessment center and everything. And that really convinced me that I have to do my best to like get this job. So I got this job. I was very lucky. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I just, uh, I honestly didn't know anything about alcohol. It was a really big eye-opening moment for me. And uh, like living in res, you have like shitty food, you know, you, you, you drink Sasta Daru. And suddenly you're exposed to like Shivas Regal, Royal Salute, you know, and you have like, we had a bar in our office, right? So yeah. you see all of this alcohol around you, like, dude, I'm in heaven right now. What is this? <laughs> so it was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Um, and yeah, honestly, it was a great experience from there. So, so is there like, do you guys drink in office every day? No, <laughs> it's like a commodity, isn't it? Like if you, if you have toothpaste around you every day, you're just like oblivious to toothpaste, right? Mm. So it's similar to alcohol. Like it's, it's around you every single day. Cause you know, it is on your desk. It is, depends on the brand you're sort of handling. Yeah. Uh, you become a little bit oblivious to it. You look at it like a like a sort of piece of work that, oh, this label was what I was designing. This label mm. needs this tweaking or whatever, right? So uh, it does become a little bit of a commodity to you. But um, but you do sort of, uh, depending on the office, uh, we used to have every every month end, we used to have a wine dinner or wine lunch, sorry. Yeah. And um, yeah, basically everybody was drunk after that and nobody really worked. <laughs> and I still don't understand why they used to do that because productivity was so low after that. <laughs> Uh, they were like huge for the loo and stuff. It was crazy, but uh, we did drink once every month, at least in office. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. You guys said alcohol. <laughs> I, I yeah. remember after finishing university and uh, uh, you, you, like, you had money, right? Like from, from, from college and you did just absolute shit. Um, you now had money. And I think the first thing we went to buy was like absolute. And I was like, wow, like this is amazing. And made and, it in life. <laughs> we made it in life. And you could get the flavors and all. Um, and I don't know, at, at our house, we had like an entire counter where we would put like the old bottles because they were all so colorful. I think like you're probably one of the few people I know who's worked in a, like a, in a company which has alcohol. Uh, you've been there for about five years. What was sort of one of the most exciting or like most non-obvious things which happens in the world of like in the business of alcohol, which is probably, you know, people outside are just are, are, are clueless about. Yeah, dude, it's interesting because there's a lot of like stuff that goes behind the scenes. Of course, I feel like, um, you know, we're in the entertainment space. so the objective is to entertain people in some ways. Um, yeah. When you're buying a bottle of alcohol, you're buying a little bit of entertainment for yourself, right? So yeah. it's sometimes you look at consumers, you think about, okay, this person's going to sort of go with a group of four people and go to a cinema and going to spend this much more money, but they could sort of use that money to buy a bottle of, I don't know, like absolute yeah. and still have the sort of entertainment uh, value out of it. Right. So, yeah. so we look at sort of things in that sense, which I would never have done before. Like I would have never like thought of, brands as sort of uh, means for you know consumers to use it as an ent entertainment mm -hmm. um another thing is of course like the avenues that you have in india at least for for marketing alcohol because of course alcohol is illegal to market in india right yeah. so um you, we use something called surrogate marketing 
where you know i don't know if you've seen ads you see like royal stag music series correct this is the best soda on the planet exactly <laughs> we yeah, all like, have a great time drinking soda <laughs> exactly like aren't we like having great time in a nightclub drinking soda exactly <laughs> um so you have to sort of figure out like more nuance like one level deeper um sort of consumer connects to to sort of the images that we show in that ad sort yeah. of personify what your brand is supposed to be so unlike in the us where you can directly sort of market and you have a lot of freedom as a marketer yeah um you know in india your marketing is sort of be a lot more subtle and you sort of understand the consumer a lot deeper yeah and the, the segmentation is very targeted so it's very interesting sort of understanding that aspect and then also working with different brands have got different sort of um, you know different ideas of expressing themselves for example 100 pipers likes to express itself as this brand which which really loves rock music Mm. so we we sort of promote hundred pipers by by organizing music concerts you know for yeah. example so then i would be like in the music concert space so i'd be like working with like promoters and stuff so yeah so that's one angle valentines does something with golf i'm working mm-hmm. with golfers you know i'm like building this this sort of tribe with them uh, jameson works with bartenders you know so it's it's super interesting how uh, different brands have got its own personality and uh you sort of end up working in that field and you get a taste of that field as well yeah. so i think that's that's one of the more interesting aspects of uh, working in an alcohol company yeah that's super interesting and i think one thing which i wanted to like get your thoughts on you you've been working there for about like 5 years right or 6 years when when you sort of rewind and go back to college when they were doing that you know that talk in the sr like you know it, people don't think of like some a company like pernorica as you know like everybody's like i want to get into mckinsey i want to get into bain i want to get into you know like city bank like what advice would you have for people saying that you know it's like you can actually have a great career you can do some really good work at companies like this uh, because you've clearly had a very very interesting career you've done a bunch of stuff you've been so like exposed to this world Ha, ha, like how would you think about that or if somebody had like what would you say to people who are in university or going gaga over you know mckinsey and consulting and things like that like you didn't take that path but and it turned out yeah. to be good for you yeah i think it's about sort of asking yourself the right questions like you know many times sort of the glamour of consulting really in amazon and wants us to sort of get into it but even in business school right everybody there's a lot of people who actually want to get into consulting but yeah. um i would say a lot of people actually don't ask themselves the questions that are really hard you know the important ones i remember meeting a very senior consultant from uh, from mckinsey um couple of months back and this was when i had come to business school i also thought that okay consulting explore karenge we'll see how it is you know whatever finance we explore i thought of exploring everything yeah and he asked me a simple question he said dude are you married i'm like no i'm like, okay whatever then he was like okay imagine you if you plan to have let's say a family in the future do you plan to actually spend time at home you know do you actually want to sort of like see let's say if you have a kid you and these are not things i want to do by the way i'm just sort yeah. of saying what he told me yeah uh you know he said do you want do you actually plan to see your kid grow for example or do you want do you plan to actually like develop yourself internally as an individual like with with the people who are close to you like yeah. do you actually want to spend time with these people yeah and for me these these the answer to this hypothetically was yes and he was like don't go to consulting you know consulting is a life which is very it's very fast moving it's very different it's you know it's not for everybody uh, there's a lot of burnout there's a lot of things here and there and there's so many other things you can do in life which can give you a lot of fulfillment so i think the right question to ask for yourself is why do you really want to go into consulting why do you really want to go into investment banking you know and honestly the man- the answer comes to money or travel you know like yahan pe jayenge ye travel karenge wo karenge paisa kamayenge types you know and if that's your real answer then be honest about it you know then then you should know that you're you're sort of like giving up your time you're renting your time to earn that much money and yeah. you know you will have no life so asking yourself that right question is really important then also knowing that there are so many other things out there if you just open your mind to explore uh, that will give you a lot of fulfillment in in what yeah. you do and probably like you you probably enjoy it a lot more so yeah yeah and and how have you come to these conclusions like did you think like this always like when you were like i don't know getting the job at pernom like No, no, no. Consulting is only about money and travel, and I don't really want that. So I'm going to go to Perno. I'm sure you're not thinking about it there. Like, so, like, describe to me what happened because even at Perno, right, you didn't have a very easy life. You're working hard. You're working seven days, you know, a week. You landed up in a city where you weren't even speaking the language. Had to do sales. Like, a lot probably happened during like that experience. And talk to me about that, which basically got you to this conclusion that, like, like, is it worth it? Do I want to kill myself for my work? um and how do you even come to this like realization because it is a pretty profound one 
yeah i know i think it's it's honestly everything is in hindsight but this realization was more in business school in the last couple of months where i've mm. really had the opportunity to explore all these fields so i've gotten to talk to people really heart to heart in terms of what you guys really do like what why do you, why are you in this industry really um and of course we'll talk about it later but i actually met a consultant when i was doing vipassana mm. and i don't know how he got there but he was the singaporean like an indian singaporean guy he was a partner at oliver wyman and he went to ncr and everything so uh, that's one of the reasons why i also like thought about an mba in the first place but anyway he was telling me that after the end of vipassana uh, you know the 10 days or whatever we spent that he had this realization that he was 41 years old and he did not remember where the last 10 years of his life went he doesn't remember it it just went by in a blur and man that 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 was one of the first times i really thought about is is consulting really like my life like is that something i really want to do um and then of course like otherwise also meeting people just really having heart to hearts with them and like them sort of realizing that yeah we made money and you know in consulting they call fuck you money as money that you know you you have enough money that you can pay fuck you to everybody yeah um they've they've got that but then what next you know like you've lost i mean you've you've lost or gained or whatever but for me i think um, this perspective only come has only come now uh working in perno is different i feel like um there was room for flexibility i think i was working because i wanted to um, at that point and we can talk about it a little bit more i yeah. was sort of in this situation where i was in sales and i was alone in a city correct i had no friends so i was like yeah what else do i do let's let's just work you know so yeah. i spent all my time working and it 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 helped me because i turned around the region i was interested to yeah and i got promoted really quickly because of that yeah but uh, but i think it's circumstantial and i think it's still different um you know there's a lot more room to sort of um, i guess personal development there is room for like having family having friends in in a non consulting environment compared yeah. to consulting environment so so some that one like i think just double click and probably you know this is not only a consulting thing it's just a lifestyle where you put work you know first and everything second and sort of i personally have, have gone through that myself and you know for me like even until more very recently it was you know i was my work and you know i i would i would pride myself saying that i'm a workaholic and you know i work really hard but in, in that phase i think you said that you moved to mysore you were you were done this you were doing really well they moved you to mysore to sort of do sales uh, and you knew nobody in the city um you didn't know the language you were all by yourself clearly those years from a career point of view you did really well you became the youngest manager at the company at 25 but a lot of things happened behind the scenes which eventually i, I would say you know led you to 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 just quit and like take a break for 14 months and go to vipassana very similar to maybe what yeah. happened to that consultant who landed up there so like talk to me about what happened in that in that time uh and and touch upon things like you know how did it, like you sense what that you felt really lonely and that was not very you know you didn't feel really great about it uh despite your career doing really well um talk to me about th- those years yeah dude i mean for me uh i didn't really expect that to happen to me you know because when i was what, what, in what the first not, what, what did you not expect to happen to you okay i didn't expect myself to be in a uh in a small city in the middle of nowhere uh, at least for me because i'd never sort of lived in south of india yeah um uh but i was i wasn't expecting that to happen to me because when i joined perno they sort of sold this idea of like you know you'll be like selling these amazing brands you know you'll be like working with people from international sort of countries um i was in gurgaon handling the brand for about a year and then i was sent to hong kong for 6 months and i was working with people from like sweden and i was like dude this is the life i'm going to like enjoy this so much it feels amazing and work life balance was great at that time but then when i came back to india after my my traineeship got over then they were like dude actually you know what we might have to send you to sales because our managers don't think that you know a young person like you has sort of enough knowledge about the pulse of the market so then i was like oh my god like this is going to happen so i don't think it was expected i did not expect myself to to be in a situation like that yeah but i took it on board i was like okay you know what i'm what 22 years old i might as well do it now so let's let's go for it that's why i decided to sort of agree to that i could have quit at that time but you know i i said okay let's try it out yeah um i didn't really know this would happen to me um yeah. but uh, but yeah i mean being in mysore of course like dude i i don't know i told you in the voice note as well i got there i opened tender and uh, i swiped right three times and that was it there were no more people there you know <laughs> like forget people using the app like i i was there for two years and there were just no more like younger people or whatever right it was just it was incredible like it was such a orthodox city uh it was super hard to even get myself a house because people would ask me questions on religion they would ask me questions on vegetarian or non vegetarian yeah uh, they would ask me questions like would you actually get people home you know would you get girls like 
like nobody asked these questions you know before like getting a house yeah. so it was very difficult and also like not knowing canada at that time was was hard um and i was given a team of 11 people to handle i was 22 years old half of my team were all of my team were older than me half of them were married and some of them had kids so you know just sort of having that responsibility itself is such a big deal and i i was very overwhelmed with the entire sort of aspect of managing people itself so i don't know if the company sort of uh, thought about this at all they just assumed that people do it so but probably uh, made the here i was they, they probably made the decision one of those wine <laughs> wine lunches yeah they're like oh send this guy to to my so give him like 11 people to handle over there like you know whatever um so I, i don't know i feel like because of that reason i felt like i had a lot more responsibility not to not just to myself but also to the people that i that had in my team yeah and then i felt like this is my first shot at doing something great so i spent a lot more time at work mm-hmm. but the flip side of it was i had no friends there i bangalore was a 3 hour car ride away i had made a lot of friends over there thanks to an old school friend but otherwise um, you know spending time in mysore alone was was very shitty man like um i would sort of wake up on sundays and realize the the whole day went by i have a talk to a single person and that used to feel like man what am i doing you know mm. so i used to spend time so but at the same time i sort of like developed some hobbies i uh, i got into personal finance a lot i that's another story completely yeah but uh, you know all these things sort of helped me sort of keep my time at bay and i spent about 2 years somehow they went by but uh, but yeah it wasn't easy to stay alone for sure um, it's not easy at all and yeah. i hope nobody has to actually go through that but yeah yeah do, do you remember like what what your lowest point over those two years were <sighs> dude i gained a lot of weight i was like looking at the weigh scale one day and i was like i've been generally a very fit person i at least i think so i used to play yeah. sports and everything since i was young and i was looking at the weigh scale and i'm like dude i'm about to be 100 kilos like what the fuck like that's yeah. never happened to me you know that thought never came to me and that was one like really low moment for me is like my life sucks man like what is happening you know like um yeah and then a couple of other things on a personal front i was you know uh, seeing somebody that time which didn't really work out because it was long distance or whatever mm-hmm. so yeah all these things sort of like had a very strong personal impact on me uh, yeah. at that time but um thankfully that didn't last too long it, after two years i was like i'm done if you're if you're not transferring me or uh, i'm i'm probably going to leave Yeah. Um and thankfully they transferred me back to Bangalore so it was all good at the end. <laughs> so they transferred you to Bangalore you then started working with marketing and and did a bunch of cool yeah. stuff with like you you like in in the music side of things you said you were working with Hundred Pipers and you mentioned they were very like attributed to like bra- like bands and music um and that sounded yeah. super cool like I remember I think the the Dashfield experience you mentioned you you were part of that and I sort of went to the Gurgaon concert Which was amazing. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, for me, Dash Straits is like my favorite band. I think it's my favorite band for my dad too. But he, and he made me sort of listen to it. So I I love Dash Straits, and that was absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, t- talk to me about those years. I think it was such a big shift, right, from being in Mysore in this you know place like I don't know uh, to Bangalore, which is like literally the heart. Like how 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 was that difference? Uh, and what 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 what? Yeah. uh it was a it was a it was a big shift man but uh it was also something i really wanted i really felt like i i was at at my core wanting marketing as a role mm. and they actually gave you, it to me and why do you feel that you wanted marketing at your core because when i was a management trainee i got this exposure to brands right so i i was ah. i was managing a lot of these big brands and i realized that this is like amazing man you can like i told you earlier right you can actually yeah every brand has got its own personality and that really like fascinated me that was that yeah. was where i saw myself going Yeah. So sales was like a detour, but it was a good detour uh, mm-hmm. in hindsight. Yeah. Uh, but but marketing was where I really wanted to be in. So I was really excited about it. Uh, I used yeah. to go after Karnataka, Pondicherry, and Andaman, and um, you know Bangalore was where all the things sort of the, the big scenes used to happen. Yeah. And yeah, Hundred Pipers was an interesting brand. Um, we had a lot of other brands. We had very very cheap brands like Imperial Blue, Royal Stag, uh, mm-hmm. Blender's Pride, Hundred Pipers. You know, I mean, it's cheap now, but of course, like back then, it was like oh shit, like back in back in college days, but. <laughs> Uh, you know, sort of understanding each consumer aspect, then sort of developing marketing specific to them. Uh, you know, working with a lot of sort of different vendors. Um, you know, handling fourteen different brands and the budget that come with it was a really nice experience. So, yeah. Uh, to Dyer Street, I remember was an ex- extremely sort of one of the highlights for me because uh, I remember Bangalore. I mean, if you were in the Bangalore concert, I'm, I'm telling it would have been better than the Gurugram one because mm. Bangalore is this like. the city that loves music right like yeah. it loves its old school rock music you know and if you go to like church street you will see pubs there playing like 
like music from the 80s and 90s you know it's it's, it's yeah. such a nice sort of environment to be in uh, if you love music so uh, i remember the dire straits concert uh, we had i don't know like 10k people or something um, and a lot of my friends sort of wanted to go and you know i was very close to a couple of my friends and then their parents also came mm-hmm. and i i can't forget this moment where a friend of mine's you know his dad was there and he got to see i mean i got them up in the front i got them to see like uh, got them to meet like um, you know the um, I forgot the the guitarist and the singer's name. Mm-hmm. I got them to meet these guys, and man, that guy he was fifty five years old, and he had tears in his eyes. Man, that was such a heartfelt moment. I was like, man, these guys are meeting their like childhood idols, you yeah. know. Like, so moments like those really like were were things that I remember. You know, these are like yeah. nice things to sort of remember and see. And um, yeah, other than that, I think another experience was sort of just being out there and meeting people. You know, like when you're in a bar, you're you're behind the counter sometimes. Mm. you see people come in you know you you chat with them quickly and then you just sort of go away and you know i don't know it's just such super nice to see them um, uh really having a good time you know sort of adding to their day you know just yeah. giving them a nice drink so these are things that i remember really well um other than the, of course the official bits um so these were like the things that i do after work um, yeah. um job is still very hectic but i think it was it was still nice um it was still very sort of worth it for me yeah. at that time at least so so your your normal job was probably doing some stuff around brand and the evening you would essentially go down to like bars and and like like yeah. talk to people to to know what they why they like a drink and things well like not that. every day not every day but like you'd have events almost every other day for someone so we had 14 brands so extrapolate that to like the whole year yeah. you'd have events happening every other day for some of the wow. other brands so you know you you'd end up going to some if it's like an imperial blue you'd go to an obscure sort of cheap bar and then you'd sort of see how consumers sort of react to your promotion yeah. you take those learnings and you know sort of incorporate that yeah. or if it's like i don't know like a shivers then you'd sort of go to a a high end five star hotel and you'd see how consumers are reacting to your yeah. thing so it's very interesting you get to see like different dynamics depending on the brand you put give, give me an example give, give me an example of an imperial blue consumer reacting versus like a shivers consumer reacting Because by the way, I've drunk both, so I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you have different reactions. You have different reactions uh, because honestly, in Karnataka, Imperial Blue is actually not a cheap brand. There are so significantly cheaper brands below it as well. Okay. So Imperial Blue would actually come in the premium segment. Okay. Which is very interesting uh, because a bottle costs like seven hundred rupees, dude. That's a that's expensive. Oh wow, you know, that in is Karnataka, premium. Taxes are super high there. Yeah. So, like an example of a imperial blue consumer would be like if you have a promotion where you know you give like I don't know soda water free with your with your one eighty ml. Yeah. The guy would be like, dude, can you give me like I don't know you? I'd rather take like a bunch of pickle with it rather than soda water because they actually in Karnataka they uh, in the cheaper bars they actually drink whiskey and have pickle with it. Wow. Which I had no idea about. Yeah. So you know, like shit, interesting. But then I don't want my brand to be associated with pickle. Correct. So I would end up not doing that promotion, but then that just gives you good insight on like what consumers really, yeah. how they consume, you know, their alcohol, for example. Like we have it with Chakna, we have it with Moonfali, right? Correct. For example, so they have it with Pickle, for example. So and then a Shivas consumer, for example, would never add water. Uh, mm. Like they probably add a little bit of water to their to their whiskey, but they wouldn't like like in a cheaper bar, like Imperial Blue, they add this much Imperial Blue, but like a lot of water with it, like yeah. fill it to the brim. A Shivas consumer would never do that. You know, mm. they probably have it on the rocks or they. They probably just drink it straight. Yeah. So these are like sort of nuances that you see, and then you use that information to sort of tailor, you know, maybe a promotion wow. um, for them. That's so fascinating. Yeah. Now it makes sense. And wow, alcohol is just a commodity, and there's so much like which goes on top <laughs> of just the alcohol. Fascinating. So yeah. here's, here's like you did this for whatever, like I don't know, five six years. You got promoted. You were doing well in your career. Um, my store, of course, was was a bit of a, a low point, but. Bangalore, by the sense of it, was was um, amazing, but you decided that you were going to quit, um, and you mentioned that in retrospect, you may may not have done that. Uh, talk to me, like what happened in the in that run up when you decided that you know this is it, I'm 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 going to quit, this, when, even though all of this great stuff was happening to you. Yeah, I think uh, at the end of my stint in marketing, I sort of um, I sort of hit maybe there's a couple of reasons, but one of them was. i sort of hit a glass ceiling in terms mm. of um, you know people sort of expected me to have an mba for one they were like this guy is too young he's like 26 um should we really like make him i don't know like a senior manager like is that prudent and there's a lot of like old school sort of thinking going around at that time yeah. um and i mentioned to you in the voice note but smcg companies in india are the closest that will come to like you know sarkari jobs no offense to sarkari <laughs> my friends out there who work in sarkari jobs but you know it's it's very hierarchical it's very sort of um, old fashioned and 
that was a little bit of a, a problem for me because I was very, I was very fast paced. I was like, let's get this done. Let's move on, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was all about meritocracy or whatever. Uh, so that was one reason I felt a little bit of a sort of undercurrent there. Another was I was just burnt out. I felt like, man, I was a bit working for like, I was working literally the 996, the nine. What's it? Nine nine six. Yeah, nine nine six for a life. Nine a.m. to nine p.m. Six days a week. Nine a.m. to nine p.m. Sorry, Correct. exactly. Yeah, nine a.m. Yeah, to nine p.m. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that was that was my life, right? Because I was um, I was working in the daytime, uh, you know, till like five p.m. and then in the evenings I'd probably go out. Yeah. And it would impact my health, man. Like I had no time to myself. I, you know, I had gym memberships and stuff, and no time to go to the gym. I would just be super tired. It impacted my health a lot. So one of the reasons was, was uh, of course, the, the undercurrent. The other was sort of my health. And I felt, man, let's just take a break and like realize, like refocus, like let's figure out what I really want to do next. Yeah. I did not like decide to do an MBA at that time, but I just yeah. thought I'm going to quit, travel around a little bit. And then I sort of decided that Vipassana is going to be like my sort of coming out thing where I, I go there, I like use that opportunity to sort of yeah. uh, understand and reflect upon the world. Yeah. And but, uh, I did that, man. Tell me something like quitting after a five-year career where you're like the youngest manager is a big deal. So like, yeah. like was there a trigger event which were like, done, I'm going to quit. Uh, I know this was sort of brewing in your head, but like what made you like send that resignation? I think it was just building up. And then one day I just woke up thinking, man, you know, like I, again, the health was, I think my health was the biggest trigger. Uh, you know, I was just thinking I've been overweight for like two, three years now. This is not me, you know, like I don't feel healthy. I don't feel good about myself. Uh, I was feeling very underconfident. Uh, generally, from a self-confidence perspective, I was not feeling very good. The, the undercurrent in the company was sort of this was very demotivating for me at that point because I had asked for a couple of other roles, and I was turned down, saying that you know, like I don't know, there are older people who have been waiting in line, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. So a couple of things sort of came into play, but there wasn't one day that I woke up, but there was there was sort of like a, a thought brewing in me over time. Yeah. So you quit, yeah. and also. Yeah, I quit after two years. So it was two years also. And I was like, okay, I'm done with two years. I'm not really learning anything more in this role. Yeah. Uh, I can either wait another year and like, I don't know, see what, what happens. Or I can quit right now and then refocus my life and see what's next. Yeah. And did you have like a yeah. plan on what you would do after no. you quit? <laughs> no, I had no plan, dude. I just like, I quit. I completed, my, I had three months notice. I completed my three months. I was working till the last day till like 7 p.m. I remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I had no plan. I was just like, I'm going to travel. Like, there was this NH7 weekender yeah. in happening in Shillong. Yeah. So Shillong is home. Uh, and you know, I thought I'll go and visit family. And uh, you know, then I'll go up uh, up country and sort of visit that weekender thing. So I was right. like, I'm going to have a good time for myself. You know, I'm just going to like chill out. Yeah. That was my plan, honestly. I'm just going to like revisit family, uh, chill out, you know, have a good time. And, and yeah. did, that, did that eventually end up happening? It did. Honestly, it did, man. I had a, I honestly feel like while I could have stayed, I could have like done well for myself still, you know, whatever, sucked it up and moved on. Yeah. I'm super happy I quit, dude. I am super happy I actually let, you know, like myself take that opportunity to sort of leave and maybe see the world from a, from a refreshed perspective again. Yeah. Um, I, I got to like travel. I went to the Himalayas. I went to Sikkim for a month. Um, went to the super, to the super remote, like Vipassana center. Yeah. Um, spent 10 days there. You know how Vipassana is. Lewis also talked about it, I remember. And that was amazing, dude. Like you, you have this opportunity to sort of like reflect and look back on your life. Yeah. really absorb and internalize all the good things but also all the bad things you know that that have not really gone according to your plan and like you know understand yourself better so that was a big moment for me i think yeah. um, what were like the traveling biggest, and sort of what are the two biggest realizations you like left from uh, after we passed because i remember talking to lewis about it and he was like wow and i think he's written a long post and one of the most unintuitive things i read in that was it's very painful because like i think when you sit there for like six seven hours meditating like your back pains and your knees pain and like talk to me about that experience and like what were like like I don't know like you sometimes you have these epiphanies right do you have any epiphany about, about your life dude first of all it's 12 hours it's 12 <laughs> hours meditating every day you're sitting cross-legged but there's like uh, three hours of very strict meditation yeah. where you can't so, so actually sorry sorry before we go on can you explain to people who don't know what vipassana is what is vipassana okay so vipassana is this um well, the short answer is, it's essentially a meditation form, which was, uh, which is claimed by you know, the people who practice Vipassana to be the original sort of discovery of Gautam Buddha when he was meditating under the Bodhi tree. Uh, the Nirvana that he sort of like realized was that, uh, you know, the world is sort of like uh, fickle and like you have to sort of like um, learn to, I mean, essentially his, his sort of teaching to the world was that if you, if you can learn to sort of like sit still and observe the world, 
um, you know, you'd be sort of like transcended to a different state. So, so Vipassana is one of the hardest forms of meditation because you, you can't really control your breathing. You sort of just, if you just observe, and I thought it's easy to observe. I thought like, you know, all I have to do is just sit quietly and observe my breathing for whatever time, Yeah. but try it, try it for one minute or two minutes. I, I can promise you, your mind will get distracted. You will not be able to focus on your breathing completely. It's, it's super yeah. hard to do. So, uh, so it's, it's sort of a, a meditation boot camp in a way where you sort of are in a place for about 10 days. You don't yeah. have your phone on you. You can't talk to people. You can't even have eye contact with people. Mm-hmm. So it's noble silence. And um, yeah, it's, everybody has sort of a different journey, I would say. But uh, there are similar themes, I think, like you said. Um, for me, one of the things were that, uh, you know, there are these really low points where you're like, why am I here? What am I doing? You know, this is horrible. Yeah. Um, you know, you're like... Uh, I don't want to be here anymore. Let's, let's leave. And um, one of the reasons for that is because, you know, you're suffering. You're literally like waking up at 4am in the morning. You're putting yourself through, you know, sitting in that place. You're quiet. You're, and your mind can kill you because of the chatter in your mind. That itself can be just like, I don't want this anymore. I want to talk to somebody. Yeah. Uh, so, th- so there were these like moments where um, I had those, but also a lot of like reflections and realizations. Um, I had like low points that, a, a very particular low point that came where I was, absolutely like crying, but silently crying, yeah. um, you know, in, in, in the sort of meditation hall, um, nobody else could sort of talk to me, but it was just me sort of realizing and having conversation with myself about, you know, things that have gone wrong in life and things that I could have done better, whatever. Yeah. But then the days after that were really amazing, man. Like I felt so nice. Like the last two days for me were absolutely amazing. You, you feel like, I don't know, like your mind is sort of like changed and you feel refreshed. And I remember on the 11th day when I came out, I uh, opened my phone and it, it, it was like a strange object to me because like, oh my God, there's something actually reflecting on me, you know, mm. um, you know, like just typing that button and everything. It was like, you're, you're, it's like a mini crash course of learning how to use a phone again. It happens like instantly, but yeah. it still felt like I realized that. And, and I don't know, the world was brighter. Like I could see things better. Um, and I could remember all of my 10 days, you know, I don't know if it happens to you, but there are times I don't remember what I was doing, like say this day last week. Yeah. I don't remember what I was doing at this hour. When I w- went to the Vipassana thing, I could remember every single day, almost like to, to the blocks of time that I, that I had, you know? Wow. So it's beautiful how your sort of mind refreshes itself or detoxes um, by doing things like this. I'm not trying to market Vipassana. It's a very <laughs> difficult experience. Um, but I think if you do get through it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's worth it. I wouldn't do it again, I feel. But I think for, for somebody who wants to do it the first time, I think it's worth it. Yeah. Were there people in your Vipassana who like ran away or quit halfway? Yeah, there were, there, were, there were two people who left. But honestly, like, it's crazy how they left because I actually chose a center which was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So it came as two centers. This center was like 60 kilometers from Kanchenjunga. It is like there is the, the closest village was like a solid hour or an hour and a half hike. Yeah. So I chose this on purpose. I was like, if, I, if I'm like tempted to leave, I still won't be able to leave at least. Right? <laughs> But some people left, dude. Um, you know, it was uh, it was pretty interesting. But I think that I realized later that they actually have jeeps that they ferry people from. So mm. if you want to leave, you can actually leave in a jeep. I did not know this, but uh, I'm glad I did not know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And once you've left, like, what, what would you say are like changes from David before Vipassana and changes like for, for David after Vipassana? Like, have you noticed some changes in the way like you think or, or, or just how you feel? Like not, yeah, not, right, feel, not, not right after you left Vipassana, but like maybe like a month later or two months later. Yeah, but I feel like for me, it's always been a gradual sort of uh, learning curve. But there have been like, there have been moments where I've realized some things and then I've tried to absorb them. There have, so Vipassana was one of those big moments I felt like I got to really accept a lot of things and I, I got to see from a different perspective. Uh, give but me there was example. no drastic change immediately. Give, give me an example uh, of something you like saw and you saw from a different perspective. Yeah, I think, dude, um, let me think. So I think, um, I think, um, let me think, let me think. Yeah, so I think one interesting thing was, uh, you know, I used to be very, um, and this people have told me, uh, at least at work, where I sometimes come across as a know-it-all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't do it on purpose, but like, you know, you end up sort of like being that guy who tries to know everything. And then you try to like, sort of put yourself forward in that conversation. And I realized the younger me was, definitely somebody who to try to do that a lot. And, you know, when I look back at that, I felt, I felt disgusted at myself. I was like, man, why were you that guy? I'm like cringing at myself, you know, um, thinking about that person. So I think one really interesting thing that has happened now, at least I feel like I've changed a lot in, in the sense is that I, even when I see that there is something I know about, 
or I know at least little about, I actually don't speak until everybody's actually stopped speaking. And secondly, I, I put it across in a very gentle way. I don't put it across in a very like, like, okay, I know a little bit, I know about this topic. Mm. I know. I, I, know. Um, I, I, I put it across in a very gentle way. So um, I think these are like, maybe this is one example that I can remember of that I can see a difference in myself from, um, you know, back in the day. And also, I don't know, at work, I was always lauded as this blue-eyed boy, you know, this guy who's got promotion very early. He must be super smart, whatever. So I had that like confidence that I can, I can be that guy. But I realized that's not, that's not who I want to be, you know, and, mm. and I'm, I'm happy with the space I am at right now. Yeah, that's super awesome. Yeah. And then, for example, did your parents notice anything different about you? Or like, did your friends notice anything different about you? I don't know if they did, honestly, but, uh, but my parents, honestly, I wasn't in touch with, I mean, I was in touch, of course, like we used to, you know, communicate over the phone, but I had like, I'd been away from home for almost like five years at that point, you know, and so coming back home, everything was different for them. They're like, <laughs> wow, you've changed so much. You're such a mature guy, you know, you you uh i was like leading decisions at home and stuff and they were like yeah this makes sense you know he's making sense <laughs> so these things yeah i think i think my parents definitely saw the difference but that wasn't because of Vipassana. that was generally because i hadn't moved back home for like five years yeah so that was yeah. because of that probably talk to me about that you mentioned that in your note that you know moving back and and, and sort of taking time over, over this break you gotta like you gotta sort of start valuing family a lot and 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 that was sort of also an important realization for you talk to me about sort of what, what happened yeah, I mean, when I left home, I was, um, I, I moved to Res in second year. So I left home yeah. when I was 19. And uh, I don't know, my dad was, I don't know, in his 50s at that, at that time, right? So, you know, he, he looked different, whatever. And I realized after coming back home many years later, that my, my parents look different. You know, they look older, they talk slower, they can't do the same things anymore. And I I'd yeah. just sort of taken it for granted that, you know, this is, this is how it will be. Like, they would be fine forever. But you know, just coming back home, I had this sort of realization that, you know, um, you know, your parents won't be with you forever. You know, it's important to sort of spend time, um, you know, connecting with them. They also want to, I mean, they care about you a lot, but yeah. maybe they also sort of want somebody to talk to them about their life, about what they want to do. And I, I had been ignoring all of that. I had I'd really not been a good son. So I really use that opportunity to, to come back home, reconnect with them, you know, really understand them as people, as individuals. Um, and that was an amazing experience for me, man. I realized that, you know, while I might have a career of my own, you know, here and there, I could do whatever I wanted to. But at the end of the day, you know, you have very limited time with, with your family, with your parents, especially at least for me. And I value that now a lot more. So I don't want to sort of be away from them in the way I was earlier. I do realize I'm away from home now. I'm moving, I've moved to Hong Kong. But yeah. it's also the reason why I chose Hong Kong, because it's a three-hour flight. Uh, my parents are going to move to Calcutta. So yeah. it's a three hour flight from Calcutta. I can probably just hop on to a plane, go there for the weekend, come back. Yeah. And that sort of still helps me stay close to them. So yeah, I think coming back home and reconnecting with them made me realize that that is a very important aspect of life that I have ignored at least. I've given career so much thought. I've given self-discovery so much thought, but I've forgotten about, you know, this aspect, which also gives me a lot of value. So yeah. reconnecting with, with them really was, a, was an eye-opening moment for me. Yeah, that's super fascinating. Yeah, yeah I, I think for me, the same, like just trying to find more time to like spend. I, I, I don't know if you feel this, but sometimes like, like the thing is that our worlds have become so different. Uh, and maybe because, you know, I personally have been so like career driven and like, you know, my, my, I talk to my friends about it and I talk to my colleagues about it. And, you know, that's my bubble in, in some way. It's not like, but I don't know how you deal with that. Like sometimes it's just like, I don't know how to have a conversation. You're on different planes. Your views of the world are very different. Like, like I, I'll tell you like a, a joke, like when I was sort of in the process of looking out for a job, <laughs> my mom asked me like, are you opening the newspaper? And I'm like, what, what do you mean? She's like, no, no, there are ads in the newspaper. <laughs> and I was like, what? And by the way, my mom yeah. is very sophisticated. So I was shocked that she said that because like, yeah, whatever, she's like taking classes on Zoom and all of that. And I'm like, on a newspaper? Yeah. So how, how like has that happened to you and like how do you deal with it like I, I've been very yeah. on how you sort of like balance that that was honestly one of the reasons why I was not very close to them in the first place because I felt like our lives were so different my parents sort of grew up they were like very first generation you know coming out of their families you know they came from very small towns very rural and they were like the people who sort of brought their families up so they don't really have that much of an exposure to the world as much as uh, you know, like a lot of my friends uh, and their parents do. 
yeah. uh, especially because they grew up in bigger cities. So I I can't blame them for for not having that perspective. But um, but that was one of the reasons why I was not connecting with them in the first place. You know, because I felt like we just talked in different languages. Like, yeah. And then I realized coming back home that you know, yeah, it is it is what it is. It's never going to change that way. You know, and you know you are sort of in a different uh, trajectory in the world. You you're you might be faster moving. You might be sort of having that growth mindset where you want to. uh learn about things but they may not want that man they they don't want that from you so maybe they don't want that from themselves so so i don't know give them give them the benefit of the doubt and just talk to them for what they want to talk to you about you know and if it's something that you don't agree with just say listen i don't agree with you but laugh it off and honestly all my conversations with my parents are are almost like a joke because half the times they'll talk about some things but they'll Like my dad would send me a WhatsApp forward, be like, you know, this is what happened. I'm like, Dad, are you serious? Like, WhatsApp forward, you know? <laughs> are you exactly. fact checked it? You know? Yeah, hundred percent. Like my parents send me WhatsApp, and I tell them, please do not forward. Check the the check where you're coming yeah. from. Like, don't like. And for me, it's okay. But they probably send it to their friend, and their friend will. And I'm like, this is what our fake news spreads. Yeah. So what I do is I actually take a screenshot of that and I send it on the family group saying, "Hey, look, Dad actually sent another WhatsApp forward. Let's laugh at him." So that's what that's what we do. That that's how like I manage that. Uh, Sort of the feeling that oh my god, what's wrong with you? You know, like <laughs> instead of that, I sort of like I change the yeah uh, the discussion completely. So so that's what I do to deal with it now, and I feel like it's fun. Like they also know that you know it's banter, and they wouldn't take me seriously for whatever I say. Also, so it's yeah. it's, it's easy. Yeah, yeah. I think just sort of finding the humor in it and sort of just letting go because yeah, I think like growing up, you you sort of look at them as like they know everything, and you sort of follow, and then suddenly you're exactly. like. What are you saying? Like, no, you're saying the wrong thing. You're annoyed. But yeah, I think I think you you sort of you have to accept yourself that you're on a different path. But still, you know, they don't want to talk about career and finance and like they did that when they, yeah. when they were younger. Exactly. Uh, that's super fascinating. Yeah. So all of this seems to be going really, really well. Uh, you're focusing on your health. I'm assuming you're not hundred kilos anymore. You don't look like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you you spent a lot of time with family. You did Vipassana, um, and then sort of you decided that you would go to business school. Talk to me why 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 you chose that? Yeah, that's it's a good question. Um, I think I take a step back and sort of like uh, talk about you know, for me where I come from, I grew up in smaller towns all my life, you know, and uh, it was only in sort of class eight that I actually moved to a big city like Delhi. Mm -hmm. um, I had this massive cultural shock uh, back then, but but what what I realized over time, you know, looking back at least, is that um, I've had these like leveler moments in life where. Mm -hmm. you know i've had this opportunity to sort of like pivot my mindset think differently uh, absorb new information and then develop myself because of that so first time i remember was probably moving to a big city like delhi sort of getting that big city perspective yeah uh, seeing how people there talked whatever the next one was stephens for me that was a massive leveler um, you know coming and meeting people from all over india like really smart people people who actually had a direction in life a career in mind Yeah. Um, you know, all India toppers and stuff, dude. Like, think about the people who were in the class, right? So, yeah. uh, or even the batch. So, uh, that was a big perspective sort of shift for me. You know, it broadened my perspective a lot. Um, so that was another big leveler. And then, you know, joining Perno, sort of being in a company where everybody was generally older, talking the same language. You know, uh, talking the same language is a big deal, and at least for somebody who doesn't know about the corporate world. Um, but learning to talk the same language, learning to talk like you're a lot more mature than you actually are. yeah uh meeting people from different countries also another big leveler so for me i think all of these sort of have some sort of thought behind it and all of them have sort of helped me grow into a better person at least a person i like right now yeah and business school was another logical step for me because uh i could have sort of i don't know i could have maybe got gotten a job abroad but i didn't really want to get a job i wanted to sort of like take my time with with understanding um you know you know whatever the, the international market and everything so uh doing mba was an easy way of sort of getting that i wanted to be a generalist and i didn't want to be in india for sure so that's why i only applied to asian business schools for example yeah why, and why it's been why, why did you not want to be in india because like i said the the next level for me was sort of being a more um world, like having a more worldly perspective i i had sort of you know that experience working in an indian company and i wanted that sort of worldly experience you know and not just being with with people who are from india because there is sort of a difference in mindset when you when you move outside india you know yeah. and you will see that you you probably know that you you work outside india so how would you describe that work culture how, how would you describe that difference of people in india versus because i get you i see it and i feel it but i'm curious to know how you would art, articulate it 
Dude, uh, it's interesting because uh, I feel like that's true across like um, not just companies but government also. Like I feel like you know in India you have this chalta hai attitude. You have like dekha jayega types. You know people plan plan less. They value your time lesser. Like in I remember in my company um, in Pune at least in India, they never scheduled or blocked meetings. You know they mm. they should just like walk up to you and say, "Acha, tu free hai, to abhi aajana." You know <laughs> they'd be like they they just not value your time. Whereas here they really care about your time. For as this is for example, right? So they value your time a lot. Um, yeah. They block they block a meeting in your calendar, and you you can sort of manage your work better. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of like unorganized stuff over there, and that's the work culture. You know, that's how it works. That's how you know the the corporate world there takes at least the consumer goods world. I don't know about banking, finance, yeah. and other other industries, but uh, but this is not true abroad. Like in 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 let's say Hong Kong, uh, it's very much international. You know, you have like a very sort of More professional way of working. Let's call it that way. Yeah. And I value that. And I wouldn't have got that perspective if I had not left India. You know. Yeah. So that's one angle I think is 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 nice. And I wanted to sort of explore that from from more multicultural aspects. So for me, moving to Asia was great because I have people, I have classmates from North America, from Europe. They have different styles of working. You know. Yeah. And then there's classmates from China. And they have completely different styles of working. Yeah. There's classmates from Japan. Completely different styles of working. Yeah. So just sort of getting that opportunity to sort of work with them in teams and then getting a taste of all of that is is a very valuable experience and I feel like it would make me a better person you know I can be more understanding and empathetic when I have people like that you know that I work with in the future or if I have teams with with you know people from different countries so yeah yeah I think I think that experience being valuable very 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 good um, from yeah. from that perspective yeah you have a couple of semesters towards the end of of the MBA as you sort of like reaching it reaching the end What do you think is going to be the biggest takeaway from, or the the highlight of your entire experience doing the MBA? Dude, it's uh, it's yeah, that's a very difficult question because there's a lot. You know, there's there's um, there was a class where I had to sort of like really deeply introspect and self reflect, and I know I've done that during Vipassana, but <laughs> here I had to write it down in a very sort of organized fashion, mm. and you know, sort of self reflecting again and again. You know, at at moments in time, really helps, and I feel like that's one learning I've had. I I would really want to maybe I don't know once in a year or once in two years at least take some time off, go somewhere and self-reflect on the year or two years that have passed by. That's one thing I, I've I've sort of gotten to experience through the MBA, you know, sort of like self-reflecting on myself. Another thing is um, working with with people. Like I said earlier, like you really you know impose yourself on people sometimes. You know, at least you you impose your culture on people. And no offense to my American friends, but Americans sort of have this impose imposing culture where they. They want you to work on on their terms. Yeah. Uh, whereas I've realized that it's to you know to get work done, especially in the East, you know, in China, for example. Yeah. You can't do that. People will not respect you. People will just not do anything for you. They'll in fact ignore you. So, you know, just learning the nuances of like business, of communication, of ways of working, yeah, uh, of just general cultural conversations, you know, is is been very valuable. And then I don't think I would have got that if it wasn't for the MBA. Yeah. So yeah, these are these are two. Good things that I feel like I've taken away from the program. Other than, of course, like it's nice to like learn finally about corporate finance and blah blah blah. But uh, accounting, you know, whatever. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I think other than that, the the softer sort of side of things were were the more valuable things I take away. Yeah, this is this is probably the closest and like pitch I've heard for me to be convinced to go to business school because I totally <laughs> see like I I worked across like Indonesia and sort of other like other cultures in in Asia, and it's so true. Like you really need to understand how. Like how to get work done, and it's not only about how to get work done, but also the importance of, you know, like empathy and and how do you sort of you operate in a certain context? Because I think in India it was first of all very chaltai. So I think in professional level, I think it's it's pretty low. Again, not a generalization to everything. Sort of my personal experience, but also like like it's very like aggressive kind of kind of kind of world. Like I was talking to somebody today, and they're like globally people have this win-win attitude, wherein you know I can win and I can make you win too. um yeah. but it's like in india again maybe for many other countries um is like that win win it never exists like it's i win you have to lose like it has to be a win lose and it's like it's because we are so competitive like everybody's competing all the time so like this win win concept doesn't exist and it's true like to be honest if i to said does ruben think like win win of course not some i try to but there are days i'm like bhai like I how can I do better if you're doing better? No, 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 no. That that, yeah. that can't happen. <laughs> and I hate myself for it because I'm like, oh, Ruben, what is this? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, sort of, sort of like getting out of that. You know, it only yeah. the, the only way is win lose. No, the it's absolutely the worst way. Like from game theory point of view, eventually you need to lose lose. But yeah, 
yeah, yeah another perspective i feel like uh, i feel like the difference between india and i just just sort of remembered this is uh, you know appreciation of work i feel like maybe i didn't really get that at my workplace but you know small things don't get appreciated as much it's expected of you and like ukar lega types you know like that value is given is 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 lesser i remember an example when i was working with a japanese company during the mba and i was sort of in a project group with people from different countries and it was a five week long sort of engagement and i remember you know our project was only half done on the third week uh, we got sort of a mandate from the top saying you know okay you're going to spend um, i don't know 15 minutes at the end of your sort of day to day and you're going to spend that time to appreciate everybody else around, like in your team just mm-hmm. sort of say what you liked about them and like that that's not a new new sort of uh, concept i i assume you know at the end of your job you you take somebody out for a beer yeah. you know say that oh we had a great time but usually you do that at the end, at the end of the the engagement or whatever yeah. right this time they asked us to do something in the middle of it and i i was like why should i do this is like not normal but i went through it and man i felt so good these guys were like talking about what they loved about me and how they're looking forward to the next 2 3 weeks and i promise you the next week when we met again everybody was so motivated everybody was so happy and i couldn't believe it so that that sort of just you know that small cultural nuance opened my eyes to like you know these are like there are some things that you can do different from what you were doing earlier Yeah. but these can sort of influence um, how people work and they can change you know like i don't know somebody who is not feeling good about something they can voice it at that time and there's this work called psychological safety but you can sort of in- ensure that at least a psychological safety in your team yeah so that was amazing man and you know at the end of the program we're still in touch it's so beautiful to like you know be close to these guys and it wouldn't have happened i've been in other engagements but this was the one i remember really really vividly because of mm-hmm. because of this moment Yeah. So, yeah. That, that, that's fascinating. Yeah. I I've yeah. been sort of trying to get like like read more about less like organizational behavior and how sort of these things can really like even with my experience at 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 Zillingo right to see how you know the ideas are great and companies are great then eventually it all comes down to people and how you sort of people like work interact with each other uh, and that in itself I think is the single biggest factor for success or failure in whatever kind you know a company an organization anything. um so it's super fascinating like that that is this is a great example i know we are we are we are touching the hour so as you sort of look back david uh tell me like maybe one like really big shift in belief you've had because i think you know given your experience and given the amount of time you had to reflect uh through the vipassana and through through even business school uh, i'm sure you've had a bunch but what would you say is like your biggest shift in belief wherein you know the 20 2010 version of david was absolutely different from the 2020 version of david it is dude like the that that guy was very different guy um but i think that's that sort of the theme of my life anyway like i earlier mentioned to you i feel like i you know when i used to sort of um, i don't know growing up at least i used to remember feeling like i don't have a personality of my own mm-hmm. and i used to remember sort of being around people and then sort of somehow amalgamating their personalities into mine yeah and i used to feel like a symbiote i'm like why am i doing this like this is weird like Why don't I have my own personality, you know? And over time, uh, you know, I've had a chance to self-reflect and everything, and I feel like at the end of the day, I think it's a good thing that you know I I do have a, a somewhat idea of a personality now. Yeah. But I do think it's a good idea to sort of keep some leeway in your personality to be changed, or for your sort of thought process to be changed, because you're not always going to be right. You're not always going to be you know saying the right things or the appropriate things, and there there will be sort of things out there that. probably are changing that you're not aware of but yeah. keeping an open mind uh to you know sort of changing or to sort of um i don't know just being a better person at least for yourself is is uh, is good and i feel like that's the one thing that i've uh, that i've done in the last sort of couple of years where i've kept an open mind i've you know had all of these like amazing experiences and i've i've really had the chance to absorb them yeah. so i don't recognize the person in 2010 but this the person in 2010 wouldn't recognize the person in 2000 because you know like yeah. like having that leveler moment you know coming into stephens i remember 2010 me and 2013 me was a very very different sort of person like you know yeah. already at so much for difference you know yeah. just being in college so yeah i feel like um, i learned a lot dude i i feel like uh, keeping an open mind having a growth mindset um, i know it's a very cliched word i hate that word now whenever i hear it but <laughs> for people who understand it for people who like really imbibe it i feel like just keeping an open mind is is yeah. really important And, and not imposing yourself on other people is yeah. is really important as well. 
Yeah, to double click on yeah. the growth mindset. I know sort of a lot of people use this about you need to be in that phase where you constantly learn. You need to be, you know, in a room where you're you're not the smartest in the room. You're you're the average of the five people who are with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, how, how do you implement it in life? Like, how do how does David like execute this in 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 every in everyday life? I think it's about uh, realizing the situation you're in. So if you're let's say in a room with five people and you realize you don't know what's really going on, then yeah. it's important for you to just like keep quiet and listen like for a bit. You know, just understand what's really going on and take your time. Um, sometimes you just sort of want to sort of make your presence felt, mm. and maybe that's not you know ap- appropriate um, or whatever. And for example, I've had some friends in the business school also who uh, you know there there are some projects that they need to be flexible about. but they weren't very flexible about it they they wanted to do it only in one way yeah and it was really hard to convince them that you know you're in business school to sort of like learn how to do things differently yeah and these like learnings you'll take away forever you know like you can do your way like normally in life but do a different way yeah so i think just having that open mindedness to acknowledge that there are different ways of doing things yeah and you might want to try it out and see how it is yeah is i think the first step to to actually implementing got it so and so called growth mindset <laughs> <laughs> yeah it it's 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 a loosely used term but i see the value in it i think for me like it just it just like sometimes it gets very hard like even when you send me the note and i was thinking about like who are the five friends and you know how do i feel about them how do i feel about like but i think yeah just accepting that sometimes like just having that open mind i think is super important and i think that's a yeah. good like step step one um yeah, as you sure. look back to to 2010 david who you don't recognize anymore if you sort of met him on the street and you had two pieces of advice for him how what would that be wow yeah i think the first advice would be um go out and explore like really find the opportunities that are available to you i remember this is very funny i i came back uh, after second year um, the first year holiday that turned over second year i just started i came back to class and i realized that half of the class had actually done internships <laughs> i was like man people do internships ye kya hota hai you know like like i had no idea that this is you could do this so you know these like these moments um maybe i could have just sort of like reached out and talked to people and really understood uh, what are the opportunities available what are the possibilities available um you know even though i'm not let's say from a business background my family does not have that sort of uh, automatic i didn't grow up with you know speaking business language at home for example um i could have sort of like leveraged the knowledge that stephens has or the people that were there to sort of maybe learn about these things earlier that's for sure uh, one thing and i think another thing would be I don't know I would have probably dude actually now I I I like economics a lot now but back in class I did not I was like what is this like I I, I didn't have a background in econ so I had like a bit of science as my background but you know I don't know maybe it was just the way it was taught or whatever like or the the fact that everybody else was so smart around me as like dude everybody knows everything like I clearly suck so now I feel like you know once I got into sort of uh, personal finance I got a little bit more into trading things like those I really learned like how I mean I started reading myself and learning about economics and macroeconomics how these things actually work in the world yeah. and having that real world sort of practical thought behind it really uh, made me love the subject a lot more now yeah. but maybe I could have explored that a lot more uh, back in college at least so yeah maybe those are two things that I've probably yes. done differently yeah I would have loved to chat with you about personal finance because that's something which I've discovered maybe in the last like maybe one two years and sort of started paying attention to it but we don't have time and <laughs> so so as we end um What 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 question do you have uh, for me, David? Ah, uh, you've been asked so many questions, man. I feel like uh, most things have probably been covered by you, but I I don't think this was asked you. So well, you'll know this because you've listened to all the episodes. Everybody doesn't. So fair point, fair point, fair point. So uh, this is something somebody asked me a long time ago, and I thought it was a good question. I'm mm-hmm. going to ask it to you. What is what is some of the best feedback you've received from somebody? Hmm. Or the best piece of like feedback you've received from somebody? That have really like that you value and has really changed your whatever opinion of the world or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I, I have an answer to this. I was thinking about it. Yeah, I think my my first of all, my my view on feedback has changed, and like like people say, like feedback is a gift. I've been trying to like tell myself and like drive my drive that self like drive that phrase into my head because it's so hard um, to sort of accept feedback. not to hear feedback but to accept it like that involves hearing it accepting it be like yeah okay i accept it but i think one of the strongest feedbacks i i've i've got is that um, like the onus of communication no so the onus of the outcome of a communication is on you and what that means is say suppose i'm saying something to you right i might say it i might say the right thing i might say it with the right intention but 
if you took it in the wrong way or if you did not interpret it the way i intended it to if you essentially were hurt or like upset about that that piece of communication it is my fault it is not your fault which was very different how i would be i'm like duh i'm saying the right thing i'm saying it with the right intention now if you can't get it that's not my problem uh, and the feedback i had got um from like a coach and from my, even my team is like you know it is still your problem like your job is to sort of communicate a thought and you need to communicate an idea which is not a message you need to communicate an idea it has to go from your mind to their mind and if they don't accept it you can't blame it to them you can't say oh you're you're stupid you don't understand it or you're not or you're not you know whatever um so yeah i think that was one big feedback and that i think really really changed the way i would communicate especially to like when i was in a more professional environment in with teams and things like that wherein the onus of my communication and, and the the result of it um good or bad was my responsibility and i could not write off you know hey you took it the wrong way or you didn't understand what i was trying to say as that person's fault but sort of my fault that's interesting man so how do you ensure that that happened like how do you ensure that they got what you were trying to say um i would sort of ask that one of the most practical things i would do is i would say something and then before it ended i would never like leave that meeting without without them explaining it back to me so i would tell okay so so need to be done now. this is happening okay you tell me what did you hear and just that small experience taught me that what i was saying was not what they were listening and then i had to change the way powerful. I, yeah and i had to change the way i was saying things um, and especially when it comes to the cultural context right um and that sort of taught me like how do you essentially say things with different cultures how do people interpret it um, you know in some cultures where you're like you know you're you're, you're motivating and you're pumping and you're like no oh, we can all do this some cultures are like get intimidated they're like oh my god what is happening <laughs> yeah. one, of, one of the most vivid moments is i remember speaking to one of my team members um uh, and i think she was in thailand and i was like i thought i was motivating the living hell out of her i'm like we can do this we can do that yeah, yeah, yeah all of that and then like 10 minutes later i get a call from her boss and he's like ruben what did you say to her and i'm like what happened like i, I said and and we like we didn't talk about targets and all we were like we, i just told her like this is an ambitious goal we should set for ourselves we never talked about targets and things like that so like, i don't know what he said but she's crying <laughs> and i was like yeah. what like i thought that was the most like that was the big like the great job i done as a manager and like pumping the person and the result was that she was like she was crying and i'm like man like that was the yeah. first incident i remember and, like along the way sort of and this feedback sort of came somewhere in that in that in that, in that journey and yeah and like the onus of communications on you people start crying after what do you say it's not their fault is your yeah fault. yeah no for sure I, i remember like in in japan for example they would never say no to you if yeah. you ask them something to do like Absolutely. my teammates in japan they would never say no they they say something like this might be difficult and Correct. you should understand that that is a no if you keep pushing they will break down they yeah. will like you know they will not understand that so yeah. yeah it's important that you that you get what they're saying yeah that's, yeah. that's a good sort of feedback awesome i know we are i think we trust the arm man So this has been a super super fun chat David. Uh thanks a ton yeah. for sort of spending time with me and if people want to keep up and sort of you know stay in touch with you how's the best way uh, or best way sort of people follow you Instagram Facebook I don't know whatever I'm on, I'm on I'm on most social media platforms I don't use Facebook but Instagram mm. for sure is the easiest one yeah. Instagram okay awesome yeah I think that's pretty much it thanks a ton for taking thanks for doing this, this dude yeah no thanks thanks for having me man really appreciate it this was a great conversation had a good time and yeah, uh, yeah look forward to the other episodes dude <laughs> and uh, once you get a job don't stop doing the podcast i think it's a great and awesome thing that you're doing so yeah yeah community service do it man keep doing it awesome we're going to wrap this one thanks a ton david cheers man and that's a wrap thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast if you've been enjoying these conversations please leave us a review you can review us on apple podcast or any of your podcast players if on spotify just go follow us If you've enjoyed this ad-free experience, it's because we don't have any sponsors. But if you'd like to support the show, you can now buy us a coffee. You can find the link in the show notes below. I upload new episodes every Saturday, not Friday, and I'll see you in the next one.